0: The sing-along podcast would not be possible without the amazing people at Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to record a podcast. First of all, it's free, no hidden fees, nothing, it's completely free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Or you can upload an already recorded episode directly to the app or the website. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many others. You can even monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So if you've ever had an idea for a podcast but you just didn't know where to get started, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's A N. C H O R dot Fm Anchor the Easiest Way to Make a Podcast. Hello, music lovers, songwriters, this is Casey from Second Echo, and welcome to the Sing Along Podcast. This week I sat down with one of the most gifted storytelling songwriters that I've ever met, Mr. Adam Patterson of Adam Patterson and the Heavy Hearts. I met up with him and his guitarist, Dylan, at The Tap in Boulder City, and they discussed growing up in their home state of Alaska, uh, the unspoken rivalry between Alaska and Texas. And we even bonded over a very obscure reference that Adam made to Sandy Patty. And if you don't know, who Sandy Patty is, go look her up, and then have a good laugh when you see how far away she is from both Adam and I musically. So anyway, let's get things rolling with one of the band's most quintessential tracks. Here's Adam Patterson and the Heavy Hearts with their song, To Hell With Texas. joined today by mr adam patterson of adam patterson and the heavy hearts and we have one of the heavy hearts with us yes mr dylan and that of course was to hell with texas welcome guys thanks for being on the podcast this has been a long time coming yes thanks for having us yeah Yeah. we're again here at the tap and uh i love doing these podcasts here because all of these great songwriters all these great artists that i've met here at this open mic It's crazy the ratio of of just great songwriters that I've met here. I love the environment here and I love the spirit of creativity and art that is here, but kind of in Boulder City in this area in general. I don't know if you've noticed that. No, absolutely.
1: Uh, In fact, me and Carly, before Dylan got here, we're looking for open mics around the Vegas area for months and then saw an ad somewhere on Facebook to, to come out to this one and I was blown away because what we had seen elsewhere, not to talk bad about anyone else, but it was just n- you, no comparison. Absolutely. Not yeah. the same. Yeah. yeah,
0: I agree. I, I had visited a handful of open mics around Vegas before this one. And yeah, this one is definitely one of a kind. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about To Hell With Texas, the song we just listened to. And the, the very first thing that stood out to me, I'm supposed to feel sorry, but I'm not a man. Who regrets doing things he enjoys? That line is amazing, <laughs> and okay. I, I love that line because it's true. I don't know what that means, but mm-hmm. it's just true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like. And so, I wanted to ask you about that. Like, on your phone, do you have tons of notes of just one-liners where you're like, "Ooh, I got to use that somewhere." <laughs> There's a few. Okay.
1: And in that particular song case, it wasn't that line. I um, I wanted to say "To Hell with Texas" in a song. Right. Uh, yeah. And. I'm from Alaska, and there's there's this unspoken rivalry between those two places, yeah. and that's Is it why. It's unspoken, be, though. I feel like it's spoken. Well, I try and talk about it as much. as? <laughs> <Yeah>. Nobody <laughs> from nobody from Texas knows it exists. But
0: <laughs> oh, so it's just yeah. mostly Alaska. Yeah. Okay. Pretty
1: much. Um, but that just uh, that line just
0: came. I don't know. It worked its way in. Kind of worked its yeah. way. But you do kind of have certain lines or certain. Um, Grudges, or some of the certain things, or certain things that you do want to work into songs that are obviously important to you. Sure.
1: Yeah. I, I you know, when it comes to to how Texas, I don't know, important, but like, yeah, there's things that I think would be a good idea to put in a song that I
0: that are I, significant to you. At yes, least. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I actually wanted to ask you about the Alaska Texas thing because what's so funny about that? You said, "Well, is it spoken or is it unspoken?" And when I met you the first time mm-hmm. and you played that song, I was like wait, what, what's the deal with Texas? You're like, Oh, Alaska, Texas feud. And I go, Oh, I don't know anything about that. And so it's like one of those things where if you're not from either of one of those, and obviously if you're from Texas, you don't even know about it. So explain this feud so that those of us who are from the outside can understand what you're talking about.
1: So we Alaskans and Dylan here is Alaskan as well. Um, uh, we are a proud people. Um, (laughs) and I think there's some jealousy as, uh, Texans love to talk about how big their state is. This is really silly, by the way. <laughs> yes, um, and like Alaska is humongous. It's more than twice the size of Texas, and we have little is things in Alaska. Much, really? I didn't yeah. really?
0: I knew it was bigger, but not. It's literally
2: see. if like there's a saying like if you split Alaska in half. Texas would be the third biggest state. Right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And that
0: is a
1: common saying, uh, in Alaska. That's a, so Alaskans are concerned with this. They want people to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There
0: a little bit of insecurity there. Right. maybe. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, I used to live in Texas for a couple years too. And, okay. And, and, and I mean, it's nothing personal. Texas is nice. Well, I was going <laughs> to say as, as the
0: song suggests, you used to live in Texas yes. maybe for a time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's it. It's really, yeah. yeah. Well, the thing that I thought was interesting about the song was, so uh, this is the best way that I can relate to it. Mm -hmm. So I'm from Ohio. Okay. And so my, my closest uh, relatable thing is Ohio state versus Michigan. Mm -hmm. Nobody outside of those two states cares about Ohio state versus Michigan. Right now, Ohio state and Michigan rivalry is huge, Mm -hmm. you know? So I get it. Nobody outside of the state gets it. But what I love about the song is the metaphor that you used of to hell with Texas and then hearing you talk about this rivalry when you listen to the song and this is obviously about a contentious relationship right i was like oh i get the rivalry now you yeah. know it's like you did <laughs> such a great job of tying in that feud metaphor with this relationship yeah that's normally
1: what i tell people who at first glance are like well what's your problem with texas and i'm always like well listen to the song cuz the song's not really about texas right totally but um it would be The kind of place, if you were an Alaskan who is in Texas at the end of their romantic relationship, it would, you know, it would only make your
0: hatred for Texas grow stronger. Oh, yes.
2: Blaming, blaming the place for your problems. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. And then all the things that normally wouldn't have bothered you because you're at the end of a horrible relationship, you're like, oh, and then the heat. Right. it's horrible (laughs) and it's flat and it's, you know, and you like started here, right? You start finding all these things that didn't bother you before, but now you're just like, oh, and it's, you know, you you find all these other, these other problems with it. Yeah. So, and you don't have to go into super a lot Mm -hmm. of detail, but talk a little bit about the inspiration behind that story.
1: So, um, and what I tell people always is that story is basically a work of fiction with some truth brought into it. I got gotcha. um, People have a tendency to believe that if a song is written in the first-person narrative, that it is definitely true and definitely about oh, you. Oh, right. You yeah. know? Um, yeah. And although I, you can't—I don't think I can write anything without— taking personal experience and, and putting Something. into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So I, I did live in Texas, not Houston, San Antonio, okay. and I did have a relationship end there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about the only two things that have in common. I, If writing in the first person, I will often try and make myself sound cooler or more rebellious than I really <laughs> am,
0: you know? Um, sure, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if I answered your question You correctly. did, Okay. yes. Yeah, and, and that actually leads me to the next thing I wanted to talk about because as i listen to your body of work mm-hmm. i hear a lot of uh, somebody who has been through some hard living and you you do a wonderful job of painting a picture and and you you kind of alluded to this in what you just said but i wonder as you write T- talk about the difference between what you said about writing in an abstract way mm-hmm. where you, you know, here's a character named Joe or here's a right. character. And I'm now I've created this fictional character and I'm going to write this story about that. I very much have to write about things that are going on right now in my life. And it, and it seems like you might do a little bit more abstract or a mixture. So t- maybe talk about that dynamic in your writing a little bit.
1: So, um, I think I definitely write with things going on in my life. I just may not know, what I want to write about till I get started because I do uh, music and lyrics at roughly the same time, you know, uh, okay. together yeah. that um, a a big part of it is is coming up with a phrase and working around it basically. Okay. Uh, and so I will sacrifice truth for a better story every day of the week um, but Interesting. That's I'm great. not interested in
0: making up a story completely, I guess, if that, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So when you say you work around the phrase, explain that what you mean by that. Well, I, um,
1: several times, I guess in, in the writing process, I'll, I'll start with a chord progression. Um, and I don't know if that's going to be the verse, the course, whatever. And I will play with syllables and do gibberish basically, you know, until, until there's a sentence there. And so often I just will work around, That line, you know, and and keep going, and I may go back and re and re-edit and take out that line completely. But
0: that's a starting point to do something with. Well, and it's funny as I talk with and do more and more of these podcasts. It's Mm -hmm. so funny to me how many people do the gibberish thing. Yeah, because I do. I did that, and I thought I was one of the only ones that did it. Because I will, I'll basically come up. Um, with uh, sometimes I'll write an entire song musically right. and have no words, and I'll scat my way through it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the scatting that gives me like the vowel sounds right. that where I, I want to end this line in an A or an E sound. Right. And, then, and then I'll go back and fill in the words that way. It sounds like yours is kind of similar.
1: Very similar. Yeah. And at the same time, you're finding a vocal melody. To, right. Yeah.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you pull from experience, but what I like about what you said is you'll sacrifice truth for the story. And that's where the abstract comes in a little bit. Right. Yeah, and I appreciate that because then that's where you take what is uh, just happening in your life and you make it a little bit more universal. Because I I love the idea of stories and how certain songs like you have where whether or not they happened and whether or not they're true are not the same question. They're They're not the same thing at all. And I love that idea of saying, sometimes it makes it more true To humanity as a whole, when I can make it this great story that's relatable. Sure, absolutely. Yeah having said that I want to lead into this next song because this is one of those great storytelling songs that I was talking about and it's very gut wrenching Mm -hmm. and it's very just, it's a little dark, but it's, but it's an important story, I think. Yeah. And it's called the ballad of Zachariah. And so I'd love to just take a few minutes. Let's, we're going to listen to it right now and then we're going to come back and I'd like to talk with you about it. So here's Adam Patterson and the heavy hearts. This is the ballad of Zachariah.
3: Drying out between two rivers, Just outside of town Yeah, we live at the mercy of villages And the price of oil by the barrel Send a message to my dear mother That her eldest son has expired Send another to my older brother To never return here alive The eldest of two wasn't always despised in this town he returned years ago dressed up in his dress blues with ribbons and petals about and i'm not here to tell you the horrors of war no that's not my story to speak my brother he Save sinners They cast them all out Send them across the river Or just watch them drown Things usually are as they seem And my brother sold all that he owned as the fevers began and he'd sweat through his sheets He resembled conclusions foregone I try hard as I can not to misjudge a man Who is desperate and down on his luck But he stole from my mother, he stole from my friend He's taken everything I've earned the extent of his dad's Were the talk of this town He owed money all over this state and Soon rumors of strange men lurking around Asking for my brother by name So I sought them out in a tavern downtown And I wooed them with bottom of gin, And not to be remembered I made use of my pistol And I set off my brother's sins One can do anything But survive in this town We don't try to save sinners We cast them all out Send them across the river We just watch them drown One can do anything But survive in this town They don't try to save sinners They cast them all out Send them across the river Just watch them drown
0: Side of town every time I listen to that song the best word that I can come up with to describe it is haunting it stays with me like the story just seems like it needed to be told sure you know and so I would love for you to talk about it a little bit
1: sure so um, the parts of the story that are true is uh... I'm from a small town, I have a brother, uh, and he did move back. Um, He was not addicted to drugs or anything like that, but that was a, as in lots of small towns or everywhere, um, there's definitely a drug problem in Alaska, Um, and I think there's a lot of discussion at the time through local law and politics about what to do to solve the addiction problem, and whether... Locking them up was the answer, and then sure. letting them out, you know, a, a couple weeks later, or yeah, or working towards rehabilitation and and providing services and and things like that. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where the whole idea came from. But it, that song is one of those that kind of like it took ten minutes to write, like it just. Wow. Yeah. I stayed up late one night playing guitar and started it. And like, it was one of those, you ever had those that just come really quick and that's usually uh, a sign yes. that it's,
0: that's a good thing usually. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it, it, it's a little unnerving cause you're like, okay, what am I missing? Right. Cause you, it's, you almost feel like it's coming too easily or maybe you're cutting corners or something, but sometimes it just does. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: And I, so I recorded on my phone and I had the band at that point and sent it out. Dylan, did you, were you there? Did you get the text?
2: Yeah. And it, it it was it became one of my favorite songs. Yeah. Like lyrically, I, I wasn't much of somebody who could appreciate lyrics beforehand. Sure. I'm a guitar player so I focus on music that that's mainly focused on arrangement, melody, harmony, yeah. guitar. Yeah. But, you know, playing with Adam has changed that where it's like I like listening to music that has good lyrics and it, it tells a good story. Yeah. But I remember listening to that song and just knowing like this is something. This is something special. This is a it felt real, it felt unnerving. Yeah. There was something about it yeah. that I liked.
0: Yeah. So a lot of the inspiration obviously wasn't personal experience sure. with drugs but just the, the fact that this was something that you had noticed in in, in home in your hometown and in your home state then.
1: Uh, yes. I mean, no, I have a personal experience with substance abuse, uh, oh, okay. for sure. I've um, been sober seven and a half years now. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't I, realize that. Okay. If you notice at open mic, I, know, I, I drink Diet Coke the whole time, gotcha. right? Yeah. Um, and so it, it's an issue, certainly, that that's
0: personal. Yeah. Abs- yeah. Um, that just opens up a whole other aspect of the song. I didn't realize that. Sure, about you. sure. Yeah. So for seven years. Yeah. That's excellent, man. That's excellent. Thank you. Well, the thing that stood out to me, And obviously in the song, it's kind of a drastic example of it, but Mm -hmm. I, I, what I hear in the song, this is kind of what I got out of it. You had this brother who Mm -hmm. is, who had this drug problem and you kind of went and did something about it yourself. Right. And and you know what I'm saying? And, And obviously, like I said, it's a, this is an extreme example of taking matters into your own hands. But I like the idea of a lot of times we want to protest we want to go petition our politicians and our leaders yeah which there's nothing wrong with any of those things that's fine but sure. if we want to evoke change and we want to make a difference yeah it's done in our homes it's done in our families and our communities it's done so much more locally there are, there are tangible things that you can do yourself sure and and like I said this is obviously an extreme example right. but I feel like the, the metaphor is there that there are things that we can do individually that makes such a bigger difference than holding a sign in a picket line or whatever that may be.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I like that you got, I, I love it when, because half the time when I'm writing a song, I'm thinking about what words rhyme with, you know what I mean? I'm not thinking about subtext or, uh, and so when people pull things that I didn't necessarily intend, uh, I, I love hearing that. Yes. I guess. Yeah.
0: I do too. Yeah. yeah. I love it when, and, and sometimes I even love it whenever they pull the polar opposite. Right. I don't know if that's ever happened. Yeah, you. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Innocent is a great example of that where somebody on Facebook a few weeks back mm-hmm. tagged me and said, Oh, with all the unrest that's going on, my friend Casey has this music video, innocent. It's very timely for right now. Mm-hmm. And I kind of knew this person's political leanings yeah, and what yeah. they, maybe probably what they thought the song was, and the video <laughs> was about and i go that's interesting because i don't know that they would be pushing this if they knew really what it was about yeah, what yeah, I'm right. saying, and i'm like it, 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 and so it's just interesting to me how and but i love that i would yeah. have it no other way i don't i i purposely don't show my hand right. when it comes to my songs because I want it to be universal. I don't want to cut off half the population from, you know what I'm saying? I wanted to ask you about that. When you're writing in those ways, do you like making the statement and drawing the line in the sand? Or do you like kind of being a little bit more vague about it? Like, talk about that a little
1: bit. I like being a little more vague about it. I think uh, because of the genre I'm in and, you know, that often there's a story involved and and things like that. So I find that that I do have to talk about it more. But I'd rather... not ruin what that song may mean to someone you know what i mean
0: yes yeah i totally get it and i'm the same way because i've had that same experience with a song that i just love right and it kind of gets ruined when they when they start yeah not not when it's explained but whenever they try to make it a cause or make it something i'm like oh man (laughs) yeah yeah so um dylan you were talking about this i wanted to. Jump back to this a little bit about arranging because I really believe that half the battle sometimes in songwriting is you can have a great song, Adam. I'm sure as you know this, but when when the execution isn't there of getting that production, it really makes the song suffer. So talk a little bit about what is it to you guys that makes that timeless and classic production? Like what are some elements with um, that? take it from just being a good song and make it something that kind of stands the test of time and, it, and isn't dated sure you can start Dylan because okay. I have no idea uh,
2: <laughs> I don't know for, so like taking Ballad of Zachariah for an example so the way we usually write songs is Adam comes up with the song he sends it via text or whatever of him just recording it sure. in his living room and we get the text we listen to it we learn it we show up and we just play it we will jam on it we'll, we'll vibe with it just find out what the song is yeah. you know it's 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 like like playing with new toys like yeah. essentially yeah. and then you take what we have and we start structuring and we structured it in a way to emphasize a story i think i mean the way i imagine it yeah so like at the end of ballad of Zachariah, where it's big climactic musical ending yes it's like recapping it yeah so adam t- told the story lyrically and then the music so Carly has her solo. Yeah. I have my solo. So we're able to to narrate everything that just happened yeah. musically, yeah. just evoke emotion. Yes, is kind of the way I'd say we yeah. do it.
0: Yeah, well, and I, and I think some songs need to be right there to the point. And quite frankly, some songs aren't interesting enough to be four and five minutes long. Mm-hmm. But however, a song like this, you get sucked into the story, and so you can kind of play with. Giving the instruments some room to breathe, giving yeah. time for solos, give it, because you're already so. It's like a movie. You're when you're into a, a good movie, you know. Sometimes you're like ninety minutes is enough for this one, you know. But then sometimes yeah. you get two and three hour movies. You're like, but if the story's there, you know, you're sucked in, and that's that's where you really take in full advantage of those solos and the and the production on that side. Of
2: exactly. It. We don't want to overstay our welcome Absolutely. when it comes yes. to song length. Yes. It's like it. We we cut the fat. Like if yeah. we've, we've had songs where it's like this is going on way too long for whatever reason, yeah. and we will go back and edit it after three or four months of playing it. Yeah, like the songs are constantly evolving until we 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 are like okay with it. We're like this is we can do this. This is yeah. this is this is the story we want to tell. Yeah. as a whole.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. what do you think, Adam? Um, I think I
1: misunderstood your question because I thought you were asking about. Like the songs that are timeless, you know, that we as a society deem timeless. In other words, not my songs or our songs. Um,
0: well, I guess what I mean is, yeah. I guess what I mean is, it, here's a good example. I have a song called "Wide Awake," and I felt so compelled and honored that I had written this song, and it was like I can only ruin it if I don't capture the perfect production and recording so like each of us as artists have a different opinion of what makes that so when you go into a studio what are you looking for to capture the essence of what you've written to make sure that it that it's represented well
1: i think i i don't think it's specific to song uh, necessarily in, in my opinion as far as strategy of how to best record this i think uh one thing i like about working with dylan and carly is um we always try and do the song justice. What's the song about? I mean, everything from the baseline yeah. to, uh, singing it. And that's going to differ from song to song. I mean, yeah. if your song's a dance song, uh, there are things that are going to be less important, you know, yeah. uh, than bass and drums basically. But- yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um, I love the, the idea of allowing a song to kind of have a steeping period where, you you uh, dylan you kind of alluded to this the idea that you you guys have some time to live with it and allow it to mature and allow it to steep mm-hmm. and become what it's going to become but i feel like i also feel like there's a sweet spot i feel like sometimes you can be with a song for too long and then you had it just about perfect at one point, but then you've played it too long and you're like, no, we got to change this and this and this. So I feel like there's kind of a sweet spot where you allow it to mature, but then just like anything else, if it hangs on the tree too long, it's going to rot. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think for
1: us, we've always said, like even songs we've recorded doesn't mean they're not subject to change, you yes. know, uh, and yeah. nothing's off limits, Right. but at the same time, once we we get an idea in a couple of months, and like, cause that's how we want to keep it. Yeah. And uh, in the beginning, I mean, we were making songs seven minutes long just to just to fill a two-hour
0: set. Right. right. <laughs> um, yeah.
2: Usually, it just ended up like like Dylan take a solo here, right? Like, take yeah. And it, it, yeah.
0: Well, and I think that's an interesting point that you bring up because I I like having the album version and the live version sure you know and I think it's important to establish what is the best version to have for the album Mm -hmm. meaning what is the most Sometimes concise, sometimes um, universal, sometimes the most, sometimes people are going for the most radio friendly or whatever that looks like, but then having the freedom to say, we know we're going to play this differently live, but what, what's going to best serve the album? What's going to best serve this single or this recorded version? And then we have the rest of our lives to play this however we want, but how can we capture this song in this moment in time and history and say, this is the best thing for this recording, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One of
2: my favorite artists, very very different from the heavy hearts, but uh, Alice Cooper. Yeah. If you listen to any of Alice Cooper stuff and Love what Alice he does Cooper. live, yeah, it's completely different. Yes. He, he allows his guitar players to do whatever they want to do. Yeah. Like he's got three guitar players now, but like going if you listen to 18, he's got so many different versions of 18. Right. Where it's like you got the studio version with the harmonica. There's the first live version where it's just a huge piano solo, wow. and then the modern versions which are just guitar harmonies. It's yeah. one of those things where he will always constantly evolve. And yeah. I think that's any sort of music should be subject to change. Yes, yeah.
1: I think uh, what I find, what I get most nervous about before going to record, and it's especially true on uh, the songs that are more rockers, I guess, is mm-hmm. how do you capture the energy in a studio, which is very yes. difficult. Uh, yes, it can
0: be. Yes. If
1: you're in front of an audience who's who's digging your music, yeah. you know, that there's a lot of things going on that you can't recreate in front of a microphone Yes. and some nerdy guy with a laptop. Yeah. Or <laughs> not you, I just yeah, realized, I saw, I, saw, I saw you, I saw you looking <laughs> straight at me.
0: So. <laughs> not what I meant. No, that's a great point. And, and I, and I know that the one thing I really struggle with is at times knowing the difference between a perfect take, And the right take. Mm. And that is such a struggle for me because I will sing something and I'm, Adam's (laughs) pointing at Dylan. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Because I, I will, I will, I will sit there and go, man, that is note for note. Perfect. But my heart wasn't in it or just, I didn't capture, you know what I'm saying? And then I'll record another take and I'm like, well, man, that's got a ton of energy, but I'm flat there, you know? And so it's like trying to find, and so then you try until, and, and, and trying to find that, that happy balance between capturing the energy, having a sound professional, having a sound. And I so wish sometimes I had somebody in in the booth, you know, in another room going, that's the one, keep it. No, no, no. I don't care. That's the one. Keep it. Just like almost a veto you, you know,
1: Uh, I got a perfect example of that very thing. Uh, when we recorded to Hell with Texas, um, during the intro Dylan was playing his leads and i don't know what he did but i loved it and yeah. um it was an accident he played sour notes i believe yeah it was like it was like it was just and he's like oh we got to change that and i was so i, I eventually cuz it was the first thing we ever recorded didn't want and it was the first time he recorded yeah. ever no, didn't want him to have true. something on that's there. That's not true.
2: I had recorded before. But, well, that's <laughs> what you told me.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's what you remember. <laughs> he he was adamant, but like I really wish we. I loved that there were sour notes in the intro, just a little bit. Like I, I don't know. I loved the way it sounded. I thought it captured yeah the song perfectly.
0: Um, and a little bit of the conflict and the tension. It's, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. And
2: it worked. I was wrong. I mean, that's the thing. Is like I'm I'm a perfectionist when it comes to what I want to do and what I want to play and. I will sit there and play something over and over and over again until it's right. And that just, in turn, it just gets me frustrated and I'm not able to do it. Like it just makes me mess up even more and more and more. Yeah. So it's like, at some point it's like, okay, we gotta go back, look, what was, where were you at your best mentally? Right, yeah. And that's where the best takes gonna be. Yeah, and
0: it's almost like a law of diminishing returns a little bit. It's like the longer you do it, you know, there's, there's going to be at some point where you're like, everything after this is going to be garbage. And so you got either have to stop and reset or, and change your mentality. And I, and I find that so much recording vocals, especially Mm -hmm. is, I don't know, Adam, if you can relate to this, but I find it's, it's, it has less to do with me focusing on my vocal placement and whether I'm sharp or flat, but it's, it's a here in my heart kind of focus. Like, what do these words mean to me? And then as soon as I do that, it's so much better when I can kind of refocus my attention to that. Sure.
1: Yeah, the more the more I get lost in, am I doing this right? Am I capturing the right energy? Yeah. Um, you know, am I trying too hard? Am I too breathy? Then, yeah. you know, every take after that uh, suffers. It's I guess, garbage. Where, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and then you go back to remembering where you were when you wrote that line, or remembering that night that was the impetus for that chorus, or whatever right. that whatever that instance is. Yeah. I've noticed as I listen to your body of work, in my opinion, you have a really good batting average of just having really good quality songs. Thank you. Yeah. And is that because you just have a good batting average or do you throw a lot of stuff away? Is it that you kind of let the cream rise to the top and you write a lot of garbage that never sees the light of day or how does your editing process work?
1: I normally don't finish garbage, um, but I'll, right. I'll write it down, and that goes against all writing advice ever to just just uh, keep yes. going, yeah. and you can yeah. add it later. Um, I I write fewer songs, that's for sure. I'm not I'm not putting out a song a day, a song a week, and I just went through <laughs> a year of block, which. Yeah. Uh, It's just insecurity from everything I've researched. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I was just talking with Michael about this in his episode. Uh, I used to live in Nashville and I Mm -hmm. I knew guys that were trying to pitch country tunes to country artists. It's like, you need to write a song a day. You got to churn them out because the likelihood of you landing a song is one in a thousand or whatever. So if you write 365 songs a year, you know, and I'm just like, I couldn't do it. I just, I'm not, I'm I'm like you, I, I can't finish crap. And if I know it's crap, I'm not going to finish it. Right. Yeah.
1: And I'd like, I can't write a song about big trucks, you know, I, right. I, um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I wish I could sometimes, but I, yeah. <laughs> for the most part, I'm glad I don't. Yeah. Um, so I, I put a lot of thought into it, uh, when I'm writing it at least. And then what I found though, luckily is working with other people, um, is that there are songs that like, Oh man, I don't know about this, but I bring to Dylan and Carly. And then I'm like, Oh, this song's awesome. Once you yeah. add, you know, yes. instruments and vocal harmonies and like, okay. Once they put their fingerprint on. Right. It. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And how much they can change the sound of a song for the better. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty impressive.
0: So it sounds like you're a lot like me. Cause I, I, would say the same thing about myself was I write less songs that way, yeah. but I feel like what I do write because I'm so meticulous about it ends up being a better quality than writing eight bad songs and one good one and, yeah and you come out you come away with the same product right it's just that you forego writing the eight bad songs sure <laughs> yeah that's
1: uh that's what it feels like to me and uh, i feel like the the bad songs i wouldn't be proud of them and nobody else w- right but i mean maybe we're just excusing
0: our not maybe yeah you know yeah and, and maybe that works for them because I, I have known people who've done that and mm-hmm. maybe that's maybe that's how their creative process works. And that's fine. And it, because I will say, I've always said that the creative process to me is like working out a muscle. Sure. And so I can always tell when I, ha- when I'm not creative and I'm not writing it right. atrophies a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then whenever I, when I'm rather on, on top of it, the, the more that I do, the faster that it comes. Right. Yeah. So let's dive a little bit deeper. So obviously with the songs, you're really particular, but what about like the inspiration or the vocal lines, the melody lines, the chord progressions, how do you determine when something is something that you want to keep and really work on? Cause I, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of stuff that has kind of been sifted through the grater a mm-hmm. little bit. You know what I'm saying? How do you determine that?
1: I feel like uh, musically, when I and it's usually something on guitar, whether it be a chord progression or a, a little melody, that the stuff I really like, and then I'm like, I need to write something to this. I can never ever do it. Um, okay. So musically, I'm a hack. I play open chords on an acoustic guitar. That's, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I strum them with oh, a pick. I got you. Yeah. Um, got gotcha. <laughs> But if if I write something that sounds nice, I mean, how long is that one guitar riff? Dylan's been telling me to write to something that I played oh, yeah, for over. He's got eight.
2: this super cool riff. It's I mean it's I think it'd be awesome as an as an instrumental if he writes lyrics over it even better. But yeah, he's he's had this riff that every practice he'll play, then I'll put a harmony on top of it and we'll just jam on it for yeah. ten minutes. Yeah. And he hasn't done anything with
0: it. And it's almost like, I know that, I know that the, what you're talking about, because mm-hmm. when someone in my band has a riff like that, or if I'm playing something, they're like, that's really cool. It's as, as like the the main songwriter, it's like, it's almost like a pressure. Like right. you're just like, Oh, you're right. But it, but then like, it's so precious. Like you're like, okay, I got to do just the right <laughs> thing with it or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah there are two kind of schools of thought that Mm -hmm. I'd be interested to get your take on. One of them is somebody will come up with a melody and they'll be like, Oh man, I got to record that. So I don't forget it. But then other people will be like, well, if you forget it, it's not that memorable.
1: So um, my memory is terrible. So I I record everything. Um, And usually as I'm writing a song, if, uh, if I'm stuck and I want to take a break, um, I record whatever I have on my phone. And then listen to it to try and memorize it. So when I have the next part, I'm not, um, but yeah, I record everything and there's things I've recorded that I just don't come back to. And I'm then, the same way, yeah. and then I assume that it wasn't meant to be, or like, maybe I'll come back to it. Cause I have finished songs that I left alone for
0: six months. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Occasionally. Occasionally. Not, yeah. Not often. Yeah. But, so I record everything. I, uh, that's yeah. yeah. I'm kind of the same way. Like I, after many, many occasions where I would wake up in the morning and have a melody run through my head or in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and I would go, I'll remember that. And then I never do. And then it's I regret up. it. And so yeah. I'm like, I saw it now. I just, I don't care if it's three in the morning or like whenever it is, I just grab my my phone open the voice memo. And sometimes it's like, uh, uh, uh like it's, like <laughs> yeah. me, you know, with barely a voice, but like, and I'm like trying to snap like the rhythm, like there, there's the tempo, you know? And so yeah, I, I, I'm the same way. I don't want to forget. And whether I use it or not, at least I've, I've documented it. And I've found, I don't know about you, but I will do that. And then when I'm stuck on an idea, I'll go back and go through my catalog of ideas and say, I'm looking for a verse or I'm looking mm-hmm. for a chorus or a bridge here. Is there anything in my catalog? And, and, and you will, every once in a while you go scroll through like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. idea. Yeah. this might fit really perfectly. And it's kind of funny how the serendipity of all that lines up sometimes, yeah. you
1: know? So I've got notebooks from which I, I, I save nothing. So I have no idea how I still have these notepads from like when I was 19 yeah. and I've dug through there looking for a line that I can, cause I'm stuck. Yeah. You know? and occasionally i find something
0: well and i think it's i think that's important because i i think sometimes people would would say oh when you're 19 like how good of a st- how, how good of stuff could you've written when you're 19 but you go back and look and you're like no, like you found a gem every once in a while. You every know once saying? in a while. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, even I'll go back and look and like, okay, most of what I wrote back, that was garbage. But right. hey, you know, like there was <laughs> there was some gems back there. Yeah. You know, there were some diamonds in the rough for sure. I want to shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about some of your influences and I want to approach this from a couple of different angles. I want you to talk about, the influences as you were learning uh, to play guitar, as you're learning to sing. But I want to go back a little bit before this because this was a question that somebody asked me, and I thought it was an in- intriguing question that I really had to chew on. Mm-hmm. What were some of your pre musical influences, meaning like when you had no choice in the music that you listened to and you were just only listening to what your parents were listening to on the car radio or you know what I'm saying those things that sure. you had no choice of what were some of those uh Garth Brooks
1: okay for sure um I don't think you can be my age and if not listen to Garth Brooks <laughs> sure. up. like that was everywhere um there's a lot of country cuz that's I I grew up in a, kind of a conservative religious home so yeah. there there was there was a lot of country and then there was a lot of like Christian artists like Sandy Patty and, uh, that stuff. Yeah.
0: You you have no idea how like you're talking my language (laughs) because nobody who's listening to this podcast right now knows who Sandy Patty is except for me. I know exactly who Sandy Patty is. Um, It just made me laugh. That's awesome. Um, so I, I wouldn't say Sandy Patty was an influence, (laughs) but that's what I grew up
1: on. I, I remember Really liking Garth Brooks, and then there was stuff going on at the time that I couldn't help but hear, like Michael Jackson, yeah, and and uh, stuff like that that I couldn't help but hear and love. But I wasn't really getting much at home uh, of that. Sure, yeah, sure. What about
2: you, Dylan? Uh, so I guess so. Before music influences, uh, I mean, my parents would listen to country, I and mean, they still do. It's so whenever, yeah, we go on drives, it's mostly country. Uh, Whatever '90s pop, you know, or early 2000s pop, my mom had on a, on cassette. Yeah, I'm. At least old enough to remember cassette. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. But uh, and also like before, I guess right before I really picked up guitar, I started getting into like theme songs and stuff like that. I used to love like the Transformers theme song oh, yeah, yeah. and like like old school cartoon theme songs. For whatever reason, like in like sixth and seventh grade, I was just obsessed with those. Yeah. So not even like the shows because like I didn't have internet where I lived at the time, so I couldn't. Okay. Watch, I just if I could hear the song, I was like, that is an awesome song. So I saved the song on my little. Zune or whatever that's mp3 awesome. player but that's
0: awesome yeah did you ever like as you learned to play guitar did you ever like learn to play any of those themes oh definitely oh, okay yeah yeah, yeah yeah i went
2: back learned the pokemon theme song you know <laughs> i did all i did all that jazz.
0: that's <laughs> awesome that's awesome so then jumping forward a little bit when it whenever and i'll be interested adam because mm-hmm. we'll have a conversation about this as well but as you came into your own and had the power to choose the music you listen to what then were some of your influences? What did you gravitate toward? What, what were some of those things that really spoke to you and inspired you?
1: So in the beginning, when I first had that power, it was the most vulgar things I could find, oh, yeah, so. you know, as a <laughs> yeah. middle schooler, it was too short and, right. uh, ICP, which I'm embarrassed to say. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and things that as I got older, uh, shortly before high school, I was introduced to punk rock and, uh, yeah that has been my first love musically I still listen to it oh wow okay. uh, I'm a huge fan of punk rock and musically not much different than what I play just faster and sure, more sure sure yeah yeah um, still three chords yes yeah fundamentally yeah right you're
0: very yeah you're correct but
1: yeah. uh I liked the energy of it I, yeah. I I liked that it wasn't on the radio you know yeah um yeah that it was just all about energy and attitude and yeah. uh and that's what I, it wasn't until I got a lot older, I, last 10 years or so that like folk music, Americana. Yeah. Um, and kind of realized that I've always been into lyric driven music, you yes. know, um, yeah. and hip hop
0: too as well. I yeah. Mean, yeah. yeah. Very eclectic. I like that. Yeah. I like that. How about you Dylan?
2: Um, I guess for me, like I started playing guitar cause I heard ACDC. It okay. was, it was like in saw like videos of like seeing this little guy run around like a chicken with his head cut off, it was yeah. it was cool. So like from some friends from church, they had guitars and I was like, I wanna learn how to do that. So yeah. they taught me a couple of chords and then for that Christmas that year, eighth grade, I was given a guitar for Christmas and uh, yeah. just kind of went from there. So like a lot of classic rock I grew up on. Uh, I, nowadays I listen to a lot of more underground rock stuff, underground rock, quote unquote, like I mean stuff like Goodbye June, uh, Nick Perry and the Underground Thieves, uh, Greta Van Fleet—I really love. They're not underground, but you know. Yeah. So I, I like modern takes on classic sound. yes I guess it's probably yeah, what I should say. There's a lot of those lately. It seems. Like. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's it's kind of making a resurgence, and yeah. it's it's that's more of what I've been listening to and what's been influencing my playing lately.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting to me because I, I one of the things I would say, and I mean this in, in the most complimentary way possible. I really feel like you as an artist and as a songwriter have really found your wheelhouse. You know what I'm saying? Mm And I I don't mean that you're pigeonholed at all. What I mean is like, the way that you write, you've captured your voice, that storytelling aspect, all of those things. And I guess I wonder, how do you feel about that? Do you, with all these different backgrounds, with hip hop and punk and all these things, do you envision Adam Patterson and the Heavy Hearts every album kind of reinventing yourself? Do you feel like this is kind of your genre? Are you ever concerned that you might get into that lane and not get out of it? Or like what, how do you see yourself as an artist as far as that goes?
1: That's something I was concerned a lot with in the beginning. You know, I thought like I want to have a band with this sound, whether it be Americana, country folk, I don't know what we are, but I I wanted this sound. Um, And more recently, I've just kind of been, let's just write and go with the flow. And, um, we're creating a sound that's our own and that's what yeah. I appreciate Absolutely. rather than trying to sound like something yeah. we're, uh, you know, this is us. Yeah. It's us cause we wrote it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so I, I'm less concerned. I won't be putting out a hip hop album or anything like that, <laughs> oh, but, um,
2: yeah. I, I feel like there's a, there's a dangerous road. Any artist can go down where it's like, they feel like they need to change their sound yeah. anyway. Cause I mean, you listen, like, I guess, if I had to point the finger at anything of like, if I look at modern country, radio country, if you listen to a lot of it now, they mix a lot of different, like they'll put hip hop beats to it. They'll put pop, very auto tune. They'll do all sorts of stuff. And you strip that back. You know what is the song, and that's the thing. It's the like, core of it's
0: still there. Yeah, yeah.
2: And so I feel like there's a very dangerous road you can go down with that, and yeah. I think we're wary enough to not do that.
0: Yes. So yeah. we
2: we know what our sound is, and we want to evolve our sound, Right. but we don't want to stray from it. If um, you know, unless Adam decides yeah. it's necessary.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Well, and I think you guys both captured it. Is I think the most important thing to do is, you know, whenever it's effortless and what you're doing, like like there's a certain type of music that naturally comes out of me and I can't help it. And Mm -hmm. you know, when that's happening Mm -hmm. and you know, when you're forcing it, you know, you know, when you're going against the grain. And so I think as long as you're being true to what that, whatever that looks like, regardless of the direction it takes, Right. if you're being true to the song, if you're being true to how your voice or your guitar sounds in the song, again, like, like you said, just trying to force something because this is the latest genre that's big now, or this is whatever, you know, like, no, just, Whatever pours out of you, just let it come unfettered and un- unhindered, you know, and let it just let it pour out of you.
1: Luckily, we've always kind of, I, I don't know if it's, we've had very realistic expectations of what playing music will bring us, you know, but <laughs> um, yeah, we've, we've never been interested in, in trying to sound like something for someone else's benefit, you know what right. I mean? Or, or because we think we'd get ahead if we, um, added cool hip hop beats to the back right. or, or, uh, for any reason uh, which isn't to knock hip-hop beats in the back of country music but no, yeah, yeah. And we yeah. just always let's we have do, to let's make the music it. we want to make yes. yeah yeah if, if we enjoy it we would hope other people would
0: enjoy it yeah. i think it's a
2: better way to it's a, it's a good way to put it sure. right
0: Absolutely. and once you make a connection with your fans then it's then you know the things that they're looking for. And so it's, it's kind of like you share those same sensibilities. So it's like, okay, then if these fans, we relate to them and if it sounds good to us, we're hoping that those same sensibilities are, it's going to sound good to them as well. Yes, right. Yeah. And I also am intrigued by this idea of trying different genres and trying, just trying different things though, as you, as you feel led to do them, because I, I for one feel like we don't give People enough credit for being kind of multifaceted, being a little bit more diverse than we give them credit. So for example, I, I'm a big Chris Cornell fan Okay. and mm-hmm. he came out with an R&B album ah. and it was very weird, yeah. but his voice was there and the incredible songwriting was there yeah. and, and people criticized him like crazy. And I thought, first of all, I thought how great it was for him to have the balls to do that in the first place, right? But then again, giving his fans a little bit more credit to be like, Hey, the connection I have with you is not a rock connection, it's yeah. not a grunge, connect it's 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 a this connection, it's my yeah. songwriting, it's my voice. Mm-hmm. Now go on this journey with me. And I think more people are willing to do that, yes. um, than we give credit for sometimes, absolutely. Yeah,
1: um, and I understand the need of an artist to want to do something different, sure. like, I, I can't yeah. imagine uh, some of the classic rock bands playing the same songs for oh yes 30 years. Yeah. David you know I mean? Lee Roth did a jazz album. Like, right. Didn't it, Chris right. Cornell do a lovely acoustic album too? Oh yeah. I, he, I remember like a
0: beautiful acoustic yes, album. Yeah. Yes, he did. Yep.
2: It's, yeah, it's, if, if you have a musical drive to do something, definitely do it. It's, it's, I think there's a difference of doing what you're passionate about and what you feel the need to do yeah. versus doing it because it, it'll boost your numbers.
0: Right. You know what I mean? Right.
2: So like, yeah. like, like what Adam was saying, let's add a hip hop beat because that's what the kids are listening to these days. Right. thing thing. so. Yeah.
0: But it, rather than this is what serves the song, if that's what serves a song and that's, what's going to be yeah. the best. Yeah.
2: And so, so like, yeah, if an artist does go out yeah. and, and do their own thing for a minute, I yeah. think it's cool. I think it's interesting and it's cool. Cause I have multiple backgrounds. I was in jazz band. So it's like, yeah. I like some funk stuff and, and instrumental, you know, outside of all the classic rock stuff uh, that I grew up on. Like it's, I have influences everywhere as I'm sure every musician does, Yeah, you know, and I feel like musicians are really the ones that can understand that Yeah, outside of just, you know, everyday fans. Yeah.
0: Yep. So I want to touch on one final question for you guys and it stems from a couple of different things, but mostly I've, I've heard both of you reference this in the course of our conversation mm-hmm. and it has to do with some of your background and, um, because it's intriguing to me the idea of where creativity and where inspiration come from. I've heard both of you reference uh, religion, church, some upbringing there. And, and, and it's interesting because I have a similar background mm-hmm. and I personally can't help but think that whatever creativity wells up inside me is outside of me. It comes from outside of me mm-hmm. and whether you want to call it God or divine or inspiration or nature, whatever that is, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And I'd be Mm -hmm. interested to hear where does your inspiration come from? And I don't mean from a sunset or what I mean is, is it, is it in your blood? Were you born with it? Where where do you think your inspiration comes from?
1: I, if I'm being completely honest, I have no idea. Um, and that's a good answer. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's there. I guess I haven't put a whole lot of thought into it. Um, I don't follow the, the religious practices I was raised with. Um, but you know, I can't say for certain that they're not true either. Like, sure. yeah. Um, but as far as yeah, if it's genetic or, uh, divine, I, I, I have no yeah, comment. No comment. I don't know.
0: <laughs> no, that's, that's fine.
2: No, i for me. I mean, I'm religious and it's, it, it but I don't know, like playing guitar came a lot, more naturally for me than it did others I mean I've yeah. taught guitar yeah. so I know how difficult it can
0: be I'm the same yeah to absolutely. learn to learn yeah. guitar
2: yeah. but like I never had an instructor yeah. it was a lot yeah. of self-teaching and I when I joined Jasmine I was the only person to audition so there was no audition so it was like I was thrown into the fire and I had to learn what theory was yeah. I had to learn you know progressions and all all this stuff um but being able to be thrown into the fire was what allowed me to become the musician I am today, be able yeah. to improv, be able to think of melodies and harmonies, so I don't know if it is just a natural God-given gift. I don't know if it's just you know talent or just skill. Yeah. Um. But whatever it is, it's there. Right. So. Yeah.
0: And I can totally relate with that because I've given many a lesson over my lifetime, and I know what you mean. There are times that I will be sitting there trying to instill and teach something to someone. And I'm like, and it's like this light bulb moment. You're like, Oh wow. Mm -hmm. That was almost like common sense to me. And I'm having to like drill it into this person and not that they're, they're not smart or anything. It's just that there's just something that inherently I knew certain things about music and guitar. And I started out on piano, you know, and just some of those things where Mm. I was like, yeah, why did that come so easily to me? And why, why is this coming so hard for them? I don't, I don't, I don't know why, but I was, I know is, is there something in me that, that again, whether it's genetics or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean,
2: and my father, he played, he played music. Um, you know, he was a country singer and stuff like that. So, you know, it could be a genetic thing. Uh, my, grandfather on my mom's side was an acoustic guitar player Oh wow! okay so there is music in the family but i didn't know a lot about this until i started playing music right <laughs> you know? so yeah. it's like yeah so is it a genetic thing is it you know a spiritual thing is it just luck i don't know sure. but you know it's there and i'm going to utilize it yeah and
0: it's hard to, you can't deny that it's there for yeah. sure yeah so um i want to point people in the direction where they can find your music because again adam patterson and the heavy hearts they are hardworking guys they are out there playing they're writing these are artists that if you uh, have heard this music on this podcast Please go out and invest in them. Go and download. Uh, I encourage you to download and not stream. If there is merch available, we're going to give all the plugs for merch, for albums, for um, go see them live if you're in this area. Go and invest. If their music has spoken to you, if it's made a connection with you, go and invest some time, some money, some resources into this band. Give us your plugs. Where is Where can we find your music? So
1: um, our music is on all the streaming sites and download uh, iTunes, Spotify, All the others. And it's
0: all just Adam
1: Patterson and the Heavy Hearts. Adam Patterson and the Heavy Hearts. Um, Most of our news, and we should have merch up soon through our Facebook page, Um, and we'll have links in Instagram soon enough, which is A-P-T-H-H underscore nine oh seven which is the hardest Instagram handle. Listed.
2: Just look up Adam Patterson and the heavy hearts and you'll find it. It's it, I mean, on Instagram. Yeah. Like it'll, it'll shorten it for you.
0: Yeah. So Instagram and Facebook are the big ones. Yeah, mainly yes. yeah, absolutely. So in that same theme of investing and propelling these guys on, there's a song that the reason this song stood out to me is I, I love it. When I go to an open mic and I hear a song, I've done this several occasions mm-hmm. where someone will do a song And I'll walk up to them after I'm like, who does that song? And they'll be like, oh, that's mine. And I love that because I've had, I've had that happen to me. And it's so flattering that somebody heard a song and it sounded so catchy. It sounded so universal that they thought that it was already a a hit that you were doing. You know what I'm saying? And so this next song, let them burn was that song for me. When the first time I heard it, I was like, wait, who does this? And on top of it, my, again, this is a great one liner Mm -hmm. and it speaks to, we didn't even get into this. We don't have time to get into this, but the idea of hooks and how you have a recurring hook throughout the song. Mm -hmm. And it's not a chorus, but it's a hook that living life in the fast lane, not a dime to your name, just two pints of whiskey and a gram of cocaine. Yeah. Two pints of whiskey and a gram of cocaine. (laughs) That line. I, I was just like, every time I hear it, I'm like, I'm jealous. I wish I'd written that line because it's a hook that you just, you repeat a few times in the, throughout the song and it right. makes the, it just makes the song stand out and yeah. I love it. Yeah. Talk about let them burn a little bit. Um,
1: let them burn is a early song in this project. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's one of the older ones. We just haven't had a chance to have the right recording of it yet t- yeah. to release. Um, it, it's basically about leaving a small town and going to the big city. And I think, uh, in someone else's expectations of, of what they're going to do in the big city we're from a small town yeah it, it's a it is a recurring theme yeah. in growing up in small town america yes. i think
0: yeah and maybe possibly burning some bridges in the process right, yeah. right. and
1: how you feel about where you come from yes. while you're headed to the to I, the big city I yeah
0: 100 really <laughs> absolutely this song as you said hasn't been recorded yet mm-hmm. at least not in its final version so mm-hmm. i want to use this as a motivator to our listeners as they hear this song. This one I think is some of the best stuff you've done and it's not even released yet. So I want to encourage people go out, invest in this band so they can continue to put out this music and that they can continue to write and record and play and hopefully put out this music that continues to speak uh, to our listeners. So right now we're going to hear Adam Patterson perform an acoustic version of Let em Burn.
3: fitting and liquor You've been marching to a beat of your own So you drive all night towards them city lights Trying to find a corner to call home and you arrive in the fast lane Not a time to your name Just two pints of whiskey and a gram of cocaine Every bridge you cross You enter and set a plane Swearing never to return mother, She cursed your name since the day you arrived You gave your heart to the Lord but was flat out ignored We sent you running to the other side By their fruits you will throw them from that narrative You're just another burnt out addicted fool on the run Where you come Focus on what you're running to And your day may never come There's no change in where you're from Just put some distance between you Yeah, you've given them everything they deserve Let burn You've been kept on the outside your whole life Might as well add another mile or two Just keep your birth to your back And don't ever forget That you can live the life you wanted to And you'll arrive in the fast lane Not a dime to your name Get a gram of cocaine Every bridge you cross, you'll turn set a flank, swearin' never to.
0: Adam, thank you so much for coming on, and Dylan, it was great having you guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Sing Along Podcast. And if you haven't done so already, be sure to click that subscribe button and then share this podcast with other music lovers and songwriters. If you'd like to submit a song or another artist, you can email me at singalongpodcast.com. At gmail.com. Again, That that's podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back next week with another brand new episode. But until then, this is Casey from Second Echo saying, don't be afraid to write a new melody. And don't ever forget, when you find one, to sing along.